Absolutely, absolutely. All right, I'm going to uh, minister on a, a Labor Day theme message about work. This is going to be about working for the Lord. I titled this message, I Am Doing a Great Work, because when you work for the Lord, that's a great work. Am I right about that? Reading out of 1 Corinthians 15, verses 56 to 58, it's a great chapter, 1 Corinthians 15, on resurrection, life after death. Jesus rose from the dead. 1 Corinthians 15 is a great passage to preach on Easter, you know, because of resurrection, life after death, the victory of Jesus. But it ends talking about work. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 56, the sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, therefore, Whenever there's a therefore, you got to see why it's there. What's the purpose? It is there for what reason? Therefore. In other words, what he now says has everything to do with what he was saying. Christ is risen. He's victorious. There's eternal life. He's alive from the dead. It's eternity. He has saved us. Therefore, therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. So we'll try to figure out the therefore, all right? Did you know that you are to work for the Lord? God spoke to my wife when she was 16 before she even knew me and spoke to her and said, you'll marry a man of God. I remind her about that every single day. You'll marry a man of God, and together you will work for the Lord. And God certainly has brought that to pass. It tells us in the book of Corinthians, we are laborers together with God. It says that in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 9. So when we work for the Lord, we realize that we're not in it on our own. We're co-workers, co-laborers. We work really ultimately uh, in the Lord's power and the Lord's strength. He is, it's His work, and it's by His strength, and He labors with us. And so we're never out there alone doing it. I am with you always, Jesus says, right? We are to work in His strength. I love Ephesians 6.10. Be strong in yourself. Be strong in self-confidence. Be strong in your giftings. Be strong in your wisdom. No, it says be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Years and years ago, I, I heard a message by a preacher, and he says, you, you need to know what your it is. What is your it? What is, what is your purpose? What, what uh, grabs your heart? What's your passion? Why are you alive? Why did God create you and save you? What is your it? And I remember thinking at that time, this was years ago, my it is to know and do the will of God. To know it and to do it. In other words, to work for the Lord. How do you know you're working for the Lord in your own strength? Because I tell you what, it's one thing to work for the Lord in the power of His might, to be a co-worker and a co-laborer with God. It's another thing to be out on your own, doing it in your own strength. When your work is out of balance, the Holy Spirit's influence within you decreases because you're focused on trying to find your way rather than allowing the Holy Spirit to lead the way. Everybody said amen to that, right? 
It's true. When you're working in your own strength, obviously you get stressed and weary, you become overwhelmed. And really, it's called burnout. Burnout. Sometimes we burn out because we're doing things that God hasn't called us to do. I mean, our plate is so full of all this stuff that the Lord hasn't called us to do. If only we would focus in on His will and His purpose and do that. Uh, Another reason why we burn out is because we might be serving the Lord and doing what He's called us to do, but we forgot that it's by His strength and by His power, and we're trying to do it on our own or with our own strength, trying to figure it out. And I tell you what, you will grow weary if you do it in your own strength. I just uh, recently went over this with my my staff. We have a staff meeting usually every Monday morning at 10 a.m., and uh, I do a time of teaching, and uh, we talk business, and uh, uh, we try to have a culture of encouragement as we praise the Lord and also encourage one another. And uh, when I I found this article online, and I thought I would share it, so this is not from me, but this is from from an author that I shared with my staff. He talks about culture killers at work. And uh, and after we went over this, uh, I, I had each one of us identify maybe the 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 area that might. Uh, be in our own lives uh, or our tendency. And uh, so I had, the article had six, but I added a seventh. Number one, you are the chairman of the That Will Never Work committee. That will never work. So, you know, no, that won't work. No, can't do that. No, no, no. And uh, maybe that's you in working for the, no, no, Lord, that, not, that won't work. No, can't do that. How about this one? Number two, you are the supervisor of the, that's not my job description. Now, I can't do that because that's not in my job description. That, you know, you're, you're, you got boundaries, and boundaries can be very good and beneficial. Matter of fact, I think very, it's very wise to have boundaries. But sometimes people have such strict boundaries and such narrow boundaries that it keeps them from doing things that God might call them to do because, well, that's not my calling. That's not my gifting. That's not my area of strength. That's not, that's not in my job. Can't do that. Won't do that, right? Number three, you are the strategist of the self-promotion department. So when you work, it's all about you. It's all about you. I, I've shared this uh, story, uh, and uh, nobody here, well, maybe a couple of people might know who she was, but it's so many years ago, uh, she uh, wanted to, uh, she had a, had a belief that uh, she could sing and, and be a worship leader. And it's kind of like, I don't know if you've ever seen American Idol or something like that, where somebody thinks that they can sing, and then you audition them, and you realize, what are you thinking? I mean, can't you hear that? And she, she wasn't that gifted at it and uh, wouldn't have been a good fit. And anyway, uh, and I, I told her, listen, we, we have a, a choir that I think that might be a good place for you. You know, surround her with good singers and tell her to sing uh, very softly and don't put a mic on her and maybe put her in the back room. No, I'm just teasing. Anyway, but I, I suggested, you know, maybe the choir. And she said, oh, no. Oh, no. If I'm not leading the worship, then I'm not going to do it. And that's, you know, she made it all about her. In other words, she had to be the center stage she didn't see herself accurately. She didn't know her own limitations. She didn't even read her heart right. She, she was lifted up with, I need to be out front. And if I'm not out front, 
then I'm not doing it, all right? Number four, you are the coordinator of the clock says it's time to go home. Now, the Bible says that we are to labor for the Lord, and that word labor in the Greek talks about hard work, arduous sweat work, right? Hard work, and uh, sometimes people don't want to work that hard, right? You are the regional director of the, I'm in a bad mood. I'm in a bad mood. You know, you're all, you know, you never go, you never know what you're going to get. Uh, you know, one of the things I think that, that defines a person's character or reveals godly character is the ability to have emotional stability, you know, to where you're not always in the bad mood. You're not always down. You're not always angry. You're not always cranky. You're not, you know, you have the ability to rise above maybe your feelings and uh, to set your heart on God or to make a decision to have joy or to be, uh, have an attitude of gratitude. Uh, you have the ability for self-control, the emotional management or control, right? And some people just seem to lack that. How about this, number six? You are the manager of the I have issues office. I have issues. I have a need. I have issues. I need your attention. I need your prayer. I need you to, to minister to me, to uplift me, to help me. Now, there's times when we need to do that for people, and, and you might be going through a very challenging time, but when everybody's attention needs to constantly be upholding you so you can make it through your daily responsibilities. Mm, that's a problem. And number seven, I chose this one. You are the team director of the I'm doing it my way group. I'm going to do it my way. We like that song. Uh, who was it that sang that song? Frank Sinatra? I did it my way. I should be a worship leader. And we applaud that, you know, because, I mean, he charted his course, and he did what he wanted to do, and, you know, he was in charge, and he did it his way. And uh, honestly, it's not a biblical song in this sense. Uh, we are to do it his way, fulfill his will, and what the world or culture might applaud. If you think about it from a biblical perspective, you, we say, you know what, that's not the right way to live. That's not the, I did it his way, right? I did it his way. I bowed my knee. I surrendered my life. I followed Jesus. I took up my cross. I did it his way. Well, I tell you what, the world's not going to be applauding that song because that song's offensive. But to the believer, it's words of life to us, right? Culture killers. I've learned this. I believe this. It's a privilege to work for the Lord. Apostle Paul says, I thank God he counted me faithful, putting me in the ministry. I mean, I thank God I achieved a level of faithfulness that God then would be pleased to entrust in me the work of the Lord. I mean, he was so thankful. It's an honor it's a privilege to work for the Lord. Sometimes we think if you're asked to do something for Jesus, it becomes a weight or a burden or a heavy responsibility or, you know, just a time killer in your life. But the Scripture has a whole other aspect to this is that you get to, now that you're a believer, you get to work for God. You get to serve the Lord. I mean, the Lord. You get to work for Jesus. That's awesome.
What is the work of the Lord? I'm going to start right here. It is a great work. Nehemiah chapter 6 verse 3 says this. This is a story of building, rebuilding the walls. And this rebuilding of the walls, I mean, the, 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 the walls were the, rebuilding the walls around Jerusalem. They came back from captivity. The walls were torn down. Everything was rubbish and uh, things were burnt out. And uh, there wasn't many, very many people and they had enemies. And it was backbreaking, toil, arduous, discouraging type of work. People weren't every day applauding them. I mean, they just had to get out there and do it. And uh, Nehemiah was leading this work, and they had opposition. And the opposition sent messengers to them saying, uh, well, actually, Nehemiah responded back. Uh, the opposition said, come down off that wall and let's meet. Let's talk about this. And Nehemiah responds in Nehemiah 6 verse 3. So I sent messengers to them saying, I am doing a great work. I love that. I am doing you're building a wall. You're picking up stones. You're dealing with a lot of rubbish. The city's in reproach. I mean, you could have looked at it that way. But he said, I am doing a great work. We could say that about, well, all I'm doing is changing diapers or teaching children or greeting at the door or Whatever it might be, whatever your work for the Lord or ministry might be here at Cornerstone, you can look at it a certain way or you can say, I am doing a great work. That's what he says. I'm doing a great work so that I cannot come down. Why should the work cease while I leave it and go down to you? And so these enemies, Sanballat and Tobiah, they're representative really of demonic forces or demonic activity or demonic temptation. And he says, why should the work cease while I leave it and come down to you? The idea is shut up. Shut up, Satan. Shut up, devil. Shut up, discouragement. I'm not going to come down off the wall of serving God. And think about it this way. He's in an elevated position. He's on the wall. Uh, when, he talked of, when he thought about quitting or stepping away, he, he talked about it in such a way as coming down. Coming down, you know, losing altitude as it were, going downward rather than upward in his life. In the book of Nehemiah, the enemy, Samballad and Tobiah, always used two things intimidation and discouragement. Intimidation and discouragement. You know what? That's what keeps many people from serving the Lord or engaging again. Intimidation or fear. Oh, I've never done that. You know, I'm not sure. I don't think I can. Or uh, discouragement. It weighs you down and discourages you. You're not seeing the fruit or you don't have the gifts or you feel like a failure. Just intimidation and discouragement. Nehemiah said, why should the work stop? He had this attitude, don't stop, don't quit. That's what I'm going to tell you. If you are serving the Lord, don't stop. Don't quit. Don't get off that wall. Don't leave your post. Don't quit your ministry. Don't stop. Don't quit. Stay in the game, right? It is a great work, he says. I'm doing a great work because it is for the Lord. It has eternal reward. It brings glory to God. It advances God's kingdom and builds its church. What is the work of the Lord? It is a great work. 
work of the Lord is the work believers do to advance the gospel to unbelievers. If you're engaged in any type of evangelism, that is the work of the Lord. It is the work believers do to establish believers in the gospel. That is discipleship. If you're doing anything that encourages believers to follow Jesus, to grow in their relationship with the Lord, that is a great work. At church here for, for evangelism, we had short-term missions this year as we sent a group down to Mexico City. We have Renewing Hope, a ministry that we've raised up in our church to reach the local community of Highland and Milford and Holly and Fenton and White Lake and Heartland, those type of communities all around us. We did a wonderful backpack outreach, over 70-some that gave their heart to Jesus. That's evangelism. If you're engaged in anything such as that, I want you to know it's a great work. It's a great work. What about discipleship? Well, we have Kids on the Rock. We have Ignited, joining the worship team. We could join the tech team, servant ministries, help ministries, anything that you do to encourage people to love God and to grow in their relationship with the Lord. That's discipleship. You're doing a great work. Don't stop. Don't quit. But working for the Lord is discipleship evangelism, serving in the local church. It's that, but it's actually more than that. This is Labor Day, right? It is everyday work believers do as unto the Lord. Let me read to you Colossians chapter 3. Whatever you do, do it heartily. That means with all your heart. Heart. As to the Lord and not to men. You know, before I became a pastor, I had my own painting company. And I'd get out there every day and I'd climb the ladders and paint that building or paint that house or, or roll out of that wall, interior wall, or stain those doors or whatever. You know, we did that. Now, that's just regular work, what you consider secular work. But if I did that as unto the Lord, all work is considered sacred if done as unto the Lord. That assembly job, that salesperson job, That factory job, that housekeeper, that mother at home, that school teacher, that homeschool teacher, whatever your job might be, I want you to know that if you do it as unto the Lord, it's sacred. You're actually serving God on your job. It says, and whatever you do, do it hardly as to the Lord and not to men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the reward of the inheritance, for you serve the Lord Christ. You serve, you actually serve the Lord washing dishes, changing diapers, washing clothes, vacuuming the carpet, painting the house, cutting the grass, getting up every Monday morning, driving to work and working that job to earn that paycheck, to tithe that money. That is serving the Lord Christ. Somebody say amen to that. Now, how are you to work for the Lord? I'm going to tell you six ways. Six ways. Number one, you're to work for the Lord by the power of the Holy Spirit. You know, reading that passage of Scripture, the sting of death is sin. The only way dying is a bummer is if you die with unconfessed sin, with sin in your heart. That's the only way dying is a bummer. I want you to know that. In other words, if you die as an unbeliever, dying is a bummer. But if you die with your sins forgiven by believing in Jesus, I want you to know dying is not a bummer. Why is that? Because you go to heaven. The Bible here says 
the sting of death is sin. So if you die with sin, I want you to know that is your sting to that death because you have eternal consequences, right? Eternal judgment. The only way you can die without sin in your life is if you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, for the Lord laid on him the iniquity of us all. He bore your sins. So when you believe, you are forgiven. Forgiven. He removes your transgressions as far as the east is from the west. He drops your sins in the deepest sea. You are covered in the blood of Jesus. You're robed in the righteousness of God. The only way death is a bummer is if you die with sin. And the only way you do not die with sin is by faith in Jesus Christ. Somebody say amen to that. So the sting of death is sin. And the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore... Therefore, we talked a little bit about this, right? Therefore, listen to this. Because we know death is defeated and we have an eternal resurrected destiny with Jesus Christ, we should stand firm and unshakable all the more for him right now. We should work hard in everything now, working for the Lord, because right now counts forever. Therefore, work for Jesus be abounding in the work of the Lord. Be steadfast. Be immovable in the work of the Lord. Because Jesus is alive. Sin is defeated. The Spirit of God has been shed for you. There is eternal life. There is eternal reward. Christ is in you. He has power that he gives to you as you serve the Lord. Somebody say amen to that. So you serve the Lord in the power of his might. Number two, by knowing you are deeply loved by God. He says, therefore, my beloved brethren, beloved, beloved brethren, brothers and sisters, the family of God. Therefore, those who are loved by God, serve the Lord. Be steadfast, be immovable. You're loved by God. I want you to know that you serve the Lord not so that God will love you, or not that God will love you more. You serve the Lord because God does love you. He loves you with an everlasting love. Well, I, I don't know about that. No, he proved his love or demonstrated his love towards you. And that while you, you were yet a sinner, Christ died for you. The cross demonstrates how much God the Father and God the Son love you. Therefore, because you are so loved by God, work for Him. Serve Him. Give your life to Him. Don't save your life. Lose your life because you're losing it to somebody that loves you with an eternal love. That's pretty good preaching, Pastor. Thank you for that. You work for the Lord from a position of acceptance, forgiveness, and love. Amen? I, I, my testimony is this. God has allowed me the privilege to serve him. And I call that amazing grace. Amazing grace. He allows me to serve him. He saved me. He loves me. I get to do this. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. By being steadfast, number three, how are you to work for the Lord? By the power of the Holy Spirit, by knowing you are deeply loved, by being steadfast, 
Steadfast means immovable, grounded, settled, unwavering, staying the same for a long time. Steadfast. We have people that have served the Lord faithfully at Cornerstone for decades. For decades. That's a long time, isn't it? We have people here that have served the Lord longer than 10 years. Who would say at least 10 years you've served the Lord at Cornerstone? Okay, how about you would say for 20 years you've served the Lord at Cornerstone? 20 years. 30 years you've served the Lord at Cornerstone. We got some hands going up. And of course, we just, I just celebrated my 38th year as pastor, April 15th. I came up in 1985. Don't tell anybody. Uh, but uh, so there are people here when I got here. So let's say this Cornerstone was in existence two years before I came. So Cornerstone has been in existence for 40 years. We have people in this church that were serving the Lord before I got. So for 40 years, raise your hand if that's you. One, two, three, four. Anybody else? I got the two over there. Very good. Jill, and is that you, Michael? Yeah, Michael opens the door for my wife and I when we get here. He's like a doorkeeper. He welcomes us into church and uh, says something bad about the Buckeyes and something good about the Wolverines. And I'm not sure, I'm not sure of that spirit. But Jill and uh, the half of ours, Mike and Sue and Lorna, decades. Sue, you've been serving the Lord over 30 years. They were the first fruits, her and her husband, of uh, me coming up here. I don't know if you knew that. Friends, Sue were the first couple that got saved under my ministry here at Cornerstone Church. And, and uh, well, Fred's with the Lord, and Sue's still here, right? Being steadfast, being immovable. Listen to this. Immovable is unmoved, persistent, not moved from its place, fixed, not influenced by emotion. The opposite of, I don't feel like it. You know, some people wake up and, well, you, do you feel like going to church? No, I don't feel like it. And other people, do you, are you going to church? Absolutely. Whether you feel like it or not, that's immovable. Lorna's husband, Henry, talking about being immovable and, and working past feelings, Henry Heffabauer, at the end of his life, was deaf and blind and still served as a deacon in the church. Fred Cohn, Sue's husband, had a brain tumor at the end of his life and still served as an elder. I call that overcoming. I, I call that being immovable. I, I, I call that overcoming the idea of, you know, I don't feel like it today. Or, or making uh, reasons why they, they should be permitted to stop. They, they had it in the heart that they were overcomers, right? They were going to be steadfast and immovable. And uh, the Bible encourages that type of attitude. You know what? Get, get behind me, Satan. That's, that's the attitude that Nehemiah had on the wall. You know, Sam Ballad and Tobiah. Come down. Stop working. Come down. Let's discuss this. Let's discuss this. He says, I'm not coming down. Why should I listen to you? I'm doing a great work. Sometimes, you know what? When, when things get in the way, you simply have to overcome them. If, if the devil puts up a hurdle, then you hurdle it by the power of God. By my God, I can run through a troop and what? Leap over a wall. Any type of hurdle the enemy puts up against us. So, 
We work for the Lord by the power of the Spirit. Jesus is resurrected. He has the victory. He puts that in our hearts. By knowing we are deeply loved by God, we are beloved brothers and sisters, by being steadfast, by being immovable. Number five, by always abounding. Always abounding in the work of the Lord. Abounding means giving beyond. Giving beyond. You know, if you're going to work for the Lord, God's going to ask something of you. You give beyond, right? You go that extra mile that the Bible talks about. Immovable, abounding, plentiful, abundant, fruitful. There's always a tension between abounding and abiding. Abounding and abiding, because the Bible teaches both. Always abounding in the work of the Lord, going beyond, working hard, increasing, or abiding. The idea of working and resting. Abounding and abiding. The only way you can abound and abide is if you do it in his strength. And number six, by believing and hoping. By believing and hoping. Knowing that your labor is not in vain. Knowing that your labor is not in vain. The idea there is that when you work for the Lord, you have hope or faith that God's at work, and it's going to matter. It's going to accomplish something. Fruit's going to come of, of this. What you're doing makes a difference. Because he's resurrected, because he's ascended, because Jesus has won the victory, I now know that when I work for him, I will be victorious because he's victorious. My work is not in vain. God did not call us to just sow and sow and sow and sow and sow and work and work and not see results. Listen to what it says in 1 Corinthians chapter 9. Or does he say it altogether for our sakes? For our sakes, no doubt, this is written, that he who plows should plow in hope. So think about a farmer plowing so that he might sow the seed, right? He's doing it in the springtime. He sows the seed. He does it in hope. Full confidence that in the future, there's going to be a harvest, so when you're plowing and praying and laboring and serving and working and believing and you're doing all this because you believe God's at work and there's going to be a harvest or an answer or increase or fruitfulness in the future. So you labor steadfast, immovable, always abounding with faith and hope that God's going to answer and God's going to give increase. Somebody say amen to that. Even if, you labor, even if your labor is vain to everyone else, what you doing that for? And everyone else discounts or doesn't appreciate what you do for the Lord. Now listen, let me just say this. You're giving your time and you, you have commitments and you, you can't go away this weekend because you're, you, you've committed to this ministry at the church or whatever. And somebody will come and say, what are you, crazy? Uh, their church is asking too much of you. And uh, they don't appreciate the labor you're putting in or they discount it or diminish it and try to get you to relax in your commitments to the Lord. But you just tell them, I'm doing a great work. It's a work for the Lord. 
And you might think it's vain or empty or meaningless or not worth much, but I've signed up. I've joined his work, and it's a great work because it's evolving discipleship and evangelism, so just get off my back. And have an attitude when you do it, too. Even if your labor is vain to everyone else and everyone else discounts or doesn't appreciate what you do for the Lord, your labor is not in vain in the Lord. It doesn't matter if you get the praise or the encouragement. Sometimes you will and sometimes you won't. But resurrection means that your labor is not in vain for the Lord. All right? So for all you that are serving and working, and this is going to be Vision Month, and we're going to talk about joining the church, joining a team to serve, joining a group to belong to. You know, that's discipleship. That will promote spiritual growth in you. Uh, So this is what's coming up. And uh, so all of you that are working and serving, uh, God bless you for that. And we want to give uh, those that aren't working and serving in the church, we want to give you an opportunity to join to become a part of, to use your talents, your labors, your efforts, to join the work of the Lord. Do I need to change mics? Am I doing okay? To join the work of the Lord. We're going to give you that opportunity. I'm talking a lot about working, 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 right? Laboring and knowing and doing the will of God. But I want you to know it starts with relationship. You work for him Because he loves you and you love him. You're beloved of God. Let's bow our heads in the presence of the Lord right now.